0: Uh, Hello? All right, sweet. (laughs) Good morning. You know, there are some weekends where I feel like the sermon that I am preparing is a sermon that my own heart needed to hear the most. And this weekend especially, I've come to trust that God asked me to preach this specific message today. And it was another instance of God pouring his grace upon my life to show me the grace and the mercy and the help that I need and the time that I needed the most. Because I think today's passage is something that I needed to hear the most. And so it's my privilege to share it with you guys. You know, it's been a little over three weeks, and some of you guys know, but my younger brother was hospitalized, and he's still there. And without going into too much detail, it's been a very trying and difficult time for my family. It's been exhausting, because he's my brother. And I wanna do everything that I can to be there for him, because I love him. But I am coming to a slow understanding that realistically there's not much that I can do for him. except pray for him and be there with him, even though I want to do so much more. And so for the past couple of weeks, there's just been this cloud of anxiety this cloud of restlessness that plagues my mind and my heart and it's just never ending. And physically, it's draining, it's taxing. And emotionally, I just can't snap out of it. I'm just so tired all the time. I'm just so exhausted. And last week, as Peace Sam was kind of guiding us through and talking about the deep, the true rest that God invites his people into, I left thinking this room, that is exactly what I need. That's what I crave. If I could get my hands on that kind of rest, the only rest that seems appropriate for what I am going through right now. Because a nap isn't just gonna cut it. Some time off is not just gonna cut it. A getaway to distract myself from what's going on is not just good enough anymore. And I've done those things, and I still feel so tired. There's this deep rest, this deep desire for peace that I know I can only find in the rest of God's presence, the very rest that God invites his people into. I love the quote that Pastor Sam used last week from St. Augustine because I love the way that he puts it. He says this, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. And maybe you are in your seat and you feel some kind of tug in your heart because you know exactly what St. Augustine is talking about. Because you too have had loved ones who are sick, maybe right now even. And your heart is constantly restless and anxious and you just want some kind of rest. You're so desperate for it. Or maybe you're in a season of uncertainty. You just don't know what is going on. And you look at everyone else around you and they seem to have everything put together. And you look at your own life and you're like, what am I doing wrong? Why do I feel so alone? It's overwhelming and you're just desperate. If only I can have that rest that God provides. Our time together will actually start off right where Peace Sam left off last week with an encouragement from the author of Hebrews to work hard to strive to enter into the rest that God provides for his people. Take a look at verse 11 with me. He says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience." The phrase that the author uses here is, let's strive. And the idea is working hard to make every effort to enter into the rest that could only be found in God's presence. And he says, let's work hard to do that. And let's strive to not fail to enter into it because of our disobedience. Because the author of Hebrews says previously in the couple of chapters before that there were people who could not enter into that rest. The rest found only in God's presence because of their unbelief. And so the author says again, let's strive, let's work hard to enter into the rest found in God's presence. And so for you and I, the question that naturally jumps out is, so how, how are we supposed to do that? How am I supposed to strive? How am I supposed to work hard? What does it look like to work hard and strive and to make every effort to enter into this kind of rest? How can I gain access into this kind of rest? How can I not fail? Because for me, that's what I so desperately want. It's what my soul craves. The way that you and I can strive, the author of Hebrews is going to show us, The way that you and I can make every effort, the way that you and I can work hard in trying to enter into the rest that God provides, into the rest that can only be found in his presence, is by continually coming face to face with the gospel every single day. Specifically like this, on the one hand, to come face to face with the gospel that reveals to us who we truly are and what we truly are. But not just that, but that on the other hand, the gospel reveals to us and provides for us the help that you and I desperately need. So on the one hand, the gospel that exposes to us who we really are, and on the other, the gospel that provides to us the help that we need. So first, how do we strive? How do we work hard? we first need to allow the gospel to reveal to us who and what we truly are. Take a look at verses 12 and 13 with me. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now on their own, these two verses are very popular verses. You've probably heard of them. Because they really help to highlight the power of God's word. But when you and I take these verses in the context of today's passage, at first glance, these verses seem really random. They, they, they don't belong. They're off-putting. Because in verse 11 and even before in the chapter, in Hebrews chapter 4, all of the chapter and all of the verses previous are highlighting and emphasizing this idea of rest. Specifically, this true and deep rest that can only be found in the presence of God. And then suddenly you have these two pretty starting, these two pretty startling verses comparing the word of God to a sword and how it pierces us, and how it dissects our souls and our spirits, how it reveals to us our thoughts, our true intentions, our true motives that we hide away in our hearts, and how it exposes us, and it leaves us defenseless and naked before God, the one who we must give account, before the God who judges We have to ask ourselves, how do these verses relate to anything about striving to enter into this rest that God provides? And I think what the Hebrews author is trying to say is that when you and I come face to face with the gospel, what you and I are doing is we are allowing the word of God like a sword to cut through everything in our hearts to sift through all aspects, all corners, the deepest recesses of our hearts, to sift through our deepest motives, our truest of intentions, to dissect every corner of our hearts and our souls like a surgeon and leave nothing hidden. And it will expose all. Essentially, it will reveal to us who we truly are, what we truly are, It will reveal to us what we truly think about, what we are proud of, what we are ashamed of, what we are guilty of. All of those things exposed and unhidden. Now some of you guys in this room are just better people than I am. And when we allow the word of God, when we come face to face with the gospel, and we allow it to sift and to see every corner of our heart, every deep recess of our soul, and just expose it, to expose our truest intentions and our deepest motivations, unfiltered, for everyone to see, we'll see some moments of genuine goodness, genuine kindness, great accomplishments, genuine love, But truth be told, this is a horrifying thought, isn't it? It's absolutely terrifying because I think for the majority of us in this room, when we allow the word of God to sift through our hearts and to expose who we truly are, I think what you and I would mostly see is the shame that we're trying so hard to hide from other people. What you and I would see the sin what you and I would see is the sin that condemns us it will expose our deepest regrets it will expose our dis- deepest failures our disappointments essentially it'll expose our unrighteousness our sinfulness our disobedience put simply it'll reveal to us why you and I don't deserve to enter into the rest of God's presence. You and I don't come close. It'll reveal to us who we truly are, rebels, enemies of God, sinners, all the things that prevented God's people in the past from entering into his rest, that prevents us from attaining this rest that we so desperately crave and need. And yet, it is absolutely imperative, necessary that you and I work hard to come to face-to-face with this reality, that the gospel exposes and reveals to us who you and I truly are. And I know what you're thinking, Jeez, what a Debbie Downer. That doesn't sound helpful at all. How is that supposed to bring me rest? That doesn't sound restful at all. In fact, what I feel like you're trying to tell me, John, is that there is no possible way for me to attain this kind of rest that I so desperately want. That there is no possible way that I can enter into the rest that can only be found in God's presence. That you're telling me that I need to come face to face with that reality that I am hopeless. But thankfully, Come face to face with the gospel does not just end there. Fortunately for you and I, coming face to face with the gospel also means that you and I come to understand that yes, the gospel reveals to us who we truly are, but that the gospel also provides for us the help that we need. The help that we need in order to find the rest that can only be found in the presence of God. Take a look at verse 14 with me. It says, since then we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Jesus is described here as being a high priest. And there's really so much that I can go into here, but I want to keep it as simple as possible for our time together. Traditionally, the high priest was chosen amongst the other priests, for the highest privilege possible. To have an opportunity to go into the temple and for a brief moment advance behind a curtain wall into a room called the Holy of Holies and stand there in the presence of God for just enough time to make an animal sacrifice before God on behalf of the people of Israel. Only one person was allowed to do this every year. And why did this need to be done? To make the necessary payment for the sins that the people of Israel had committed that year. And Jesus is described here as being our high priest. But what's very interesting here is if you notice the language, there's an interesting detail. Because Jesus is not just a high priest, a regular high priest. The adjective that is used here is great. He is our great high priest. And so what exactly makes him great? If you take a look at verse 14 again, there is this qualifier here. Qualifier here for Jesus as the great high priest. And the qualifier is this, the great high priest who has passed through the heavens. And that phrase passed through the heavens gives us a window into understanding what makes Jesus just so great. You see that phrase, pass through the heavens, when the original audience heard that phrase, they understood immediately what the author was trying to say. They understood that the author was claiming that at this moment, Jesus was in the presence of God, that he had passed through the heavens into the rest of God's presence, into the rest that we desire. He had made it there. Essentially, that Jesus, too, had been pierced by the sword of God's word. He had been dissected, his truest motivations, his truest intentions, his entire life, every deep corner and recess of his heart, plain for all the world to see, he, too, had been scrutinized, just like you and I, judged, just like you and I, but unlike you and I, Jesus would come out on the other end of the sword that is God's word, not being proved to be a sinner, but he would come out on the other end and be proven righteous. He is holy. He's clean. He is obedient. He was faithful. And most importantly, he was worthy. Worthy of entering into the presence of God. And yet, as the great high priest, as our great high priest, Jesus, the one who lived the perfect life that you and I should have lived, the one who was proven to be obedient and righteous and holy and perfect, he bears the punishment of our disobedience upon his own shoulders. He took the price of our sin, death, upon himself, and he presented himself as the ultimate and greatest sacrifice on our behalf. And by doing so, what does he do? He secures us eternal access into the rest of God's presence, into the rest that you and I so desperately crave and need. How do we work hard? How do we strive to enter into the rest that can only be found in God's presence? We need to daily and continuously come face to face with the gospel, the gospel on the one hand that reveals to us our true nature, unrighteous, guilty, sinner, unworthy to enter into the rest of God. And yet, on the other hand, the gospel that reveals to us the very help that we need, the work of our great high priest, Jesus Christ, paying the price of death that you and I could not afford to pay. And how we work hard and how we strive to enter into the rest that we desire is we confess that to be true every single day. But to be honest, there is a little bit of tension here still for us, especially for me, because that sounds great. Okay, I get it. I'm a sinner. I'm unworthy. I am so desiring and craving this rest, but I know that on my own merit and my own worth, I cannot have it. But thanks be to God who gives me the help that I need, but I still don't understand how that is supposed to help me now. How does that help me in my moment of suffering now? How does that help to quiet my restlessness, being priest to bring peace to my anxiety? How does that exactly help me in my present moment of weakness? How does the rest that can only be found in the presence of God help me in the moments where I'm so exhausted, where I'm physically and emotionally drained, spent, where my heart is filled with unrelenting? Restlessness, how exactly does Jesus, being our great high priest, really help me here? How does he help me in my present time of weakness, in my present moment of pain and turmoil, in my present time of need? Take a look at verse 15 with me, and this is where we'll end. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we, we are, yet without sin. Some of you guys know, most of you guys don't, but I studied philosophy, the most useless major <laughs> at UCLA for my undergrad. It was useless until I had to prepare this sermon. <laughs> and I remember sitting in my philosophy or religion class one day, and sitting there and just learning about all the different religions in the world, and noticed that there is a teaching that is completely unique to the Christian faith. And it's this idea that God himself, the creator of this world, the king of our hearts made himself vulnerable. That he subjected himself to suffering and pain by coming down as a man out of love for his people and a desire to draw them to him. You see, there's no other religion in the history of this world that even comes close to this idea. It is fundamentally unique to Christianity because in all other religions, God is up here. And you and I are down here. And you and I have to make every effort to make it up there. But the remarkable thing about our God is that he abandons the heavenlies. He abandons the comfort. He abandons the throne and enters into our world. He comes down as a vulnerable man and becomes subject to the most searing pain, to the most crippling loneliness, and dies the most unjust and agonizing death. You see, in Jesus, we not only have a high priest who paves the way, who secures us eternal access into the presence of God for us, but we also have a high priest who understands and sympathizes with all of our pain. He understands our loneliness. And not just in a way, in a theoretical way, where we go, well, yeah, duh, God knows everything, so he must know our pain. That's not what I'm talking about. He knows our pain, he knows our weakness, he knows our suffering, and he knows it in a tangible way. In a way that he could have learned only through personal experience. Because he himself became weak. He himself was lonely. He himself suffered. He himself was subjected to his moments of weakness. You know, the past couple of weeks, as I've mentioned, have been very difficult. It's been, it's been hard. And there have been so many moments where I felt alone. Like I, just no one understands. I was overwhelmed. I was confused. But by the grace of God, there have been so many friends. So many people who have come to walk alongside of me. To just walk with me to be there for me, just to be present, whether it's through text, email, phone calls, lunch, or dinner. And I could not be more thankful. I've been so comforted, and I felt so loved. But I was reminded this week that the comfort and presence of my friends, while, yes, very comforting, very encouraging, very necessary, How much more comforting how much more peace giving how much more restful would it be to know that God the maker of the universe the Lord of history the king of our hearts fully understands our weakness our suffering our pain our loneliness and is present with us in our time of need, that He is there to sympathize with us, that He is there to comfort us, He is there to remind us that you and I are never alone, to remind us that He shows us grace and mercy in our time of utmost need, that He is there to love us, that He is there to give us rest. And that is the promise that you and I have in Jesus. The promise that you and I can cling on to, hold on to with the greatest confidence that Christ is the very help that we need. The help that we need to get into the ultimate and eternal and true rest that can only be found in the presence of God. But also the help that we need in our times of weakness in our times of suffering, in our times of restlessness, and it's in our times of pain that you and I will see in our lives. Let's pray. God, we just want to thank you. God, your word reminds us that God, that that your grace is sufficient for us that God, in our times of pain, in our times of suffering, in our times where we just don't understand what the heck is going on, God, you remind us that your grace is sufficient for us. And God, that you also remind us that your power is being made known through our weakness. And so God, as all of us in this room, we've experienced pain. And maybe we are currently going through a season where we just don't understand what is going on. And our hearts are wrestling with anxiety and restlessness. And God, we just feel so overwhelmed. But God, we put our trust in you. God, that your power is being made known to us, to the people around us, to this world, through our weakness. God, help us to remind ourselves of the truth that we are never alone you are there with us in our suffering not as a spectator but God as a God who fully understands it's a God who is carrying us God we love you so much help us to love you more we pray all this in your son's name